Good morning. Man, I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad you decided to brave the wet roads and the dangerous driving of the south and wet roads. I'm glad you chose to be here this morning. We're continuing on our course of sermons called Life and Teaching. And the question we're asking today is, who is God? Uh, I can't think of a more important question to ask and answer than this one today. Man, we live in a time in which the public square is absolutely loaded with a theology. The problem often is that that theology doesn't represent the God of the Bible. We live in a spiritually charged environment. Atheism is dead in the public square. The only place atheism and naturalism still hangs out is in academia. Because schools and academia is usually 20 to 30 years behind the public square. But I promise you, if you work in the public square, there's all manner of theologies. Theologies that affirm humans' decision-making. Not necessarily a theology that challenges human decision-making or seeks to advance the flourishing of humans. We want to make sure as a church that we let the Bible answer these key questions and build a framework for us so that as we engage in the public square, we are adequately, accurately representing the God of the Bible. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Yahweh, Jesus, the God of all creation. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 4.16, he says, Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Not give it a lick and a promise, not ignore it, not think it's okay, pay close attention, persevere in it. For in doing this, doing what? Paying attention to your life and your teaching, persevering in them. For in doing that, you save both yourself and your hearers. The Bible's clear we need to pay attention. The Bible's clear we need to look at these things and how we live because how we live is rooted in what we actually believe and thus what we teach. Paul tells this young elder at Ephesus, pay close attention to these things because there's salvation in it. There's rescue in it if you do it. And, and so therefore I would say for all of us let's pay close attention to our life and our teaching because if we persevere in these there's salvation in it for us because here's, here's let me just drop this on you here we firmly believe that if you are in Christ that's where you will remain but you will only know that if you stay with him Meaning you need to stay with Jesus. You need to keep on believing in Jesus. Don't assume that the card you signed 20 years ago will keep you in the moment of testing. You have to stay with Jesus today. If you choose to walk away from Jesus and never come back, you're saying what you actually believe. And that is a deadly thing. So making sure that we stay with Jesus today because listen, listen to me very carefully. Life is gonna hit you in the teeth. We are fighting and waging a war against a dark kingdom that hates the kingdom of light. And there is an enemy who hates you. And there is a world system that hates you and wants to entice you into it for destruction. And you need to stay with Jesus because you need to persevere in that. Because if you don't, there's not good things. Paul tells him here, persevere. Pay real close attention to your life and what you believe. Persevere because in doing it, 
Life and death at stake. Don't assume your theology. This is one of the reasons we tell you, read your Bible. Read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. I'm shocked. Had a long conversation. This isn't theologyinthedirt.com. The notes are available for you. And if you're looking on, you're saying, none of this is in the notes. That's right. Sorry. Have to say it. Long conversation with my friend Brody Holloway yesterday at Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters as our students are there for purity retreat. We're sitting at a table chatting and continually amazed as people come to Red Oak Church or they come to... Snubber Wilderness Outfitters, they come to Three Rivers Church, they make statements like, this is the only place that actually preaches from the Bible like that, and, and, and where we're encouraged to actually read our Bible. And you not only encourage us to do it, you give us a plan on how to get through it in a year. And A, awesome. B, how sad. My question is, why, why is that not happening somewhere else? Why aren't you encouraged in other places? Why aren't other Christians encouraged to read your Bible? Because Paul says you need to persevere in your life and your teaching. You need to pay close attention to it. You need to get granular with it. You need to get down at the granular level and pay close attention to your life and your teaching. You need to persevere in it because if you do it, that's how you stay in the stream of walking toward Jesus. But if you don't, so would you agree with me that Answering the question, who is God, is vital this morning? I think it's the most important question we'll ask this week. Who is God? Because I promise you the public square is answering it for you. And they will make a God in their own image and tell you his name is Jesus. That's a scary thing. Not all Jesuses are the same. And so we want to make sure we understand who's God. We're not going to be able to do this question justice in one sermon. So I just want to satisfy that right now. We're not going to do justice to that question in one sermon. The Bible reveals to us who God is. And the Bible is absolutely sufficient for knowing who God is. For knowing how to be saved from sin. And understanding what God's will is. And at the same time, the Bible's not exhaustive in revealing the full depth of the nature and character of God. 10,000 years into the eternal kingdom, we'll just be on the outskirts of his glory. <laughs> we will be getting to know, can I blow your mind for a minute? You just ready? Ready? Mind blown? Space is physical. It exists. And yet, as far as we know, it's infinite. There's no satellite that's traveling in space that's hit a wall. It's in the Truman Show. And bounced off to another location. And yet it was created by the God of this Bible. So therefore, 20,000 years in the eternal kingdom, we're still going to be amazed at the outskirts of its glory. <laughs> Who is God? Wow. This, this question is weighty and glorious and exciting. This morning I have a true fearful and joyous trembling uh, at attempting to proclaim from the Bible the answer to this question. So I need you to bear with me because I'm going to not do a lot of my own talking. I'm going to spend the majority of our time together simply being a mouthpiece for the text. This is a little side note here. 
this course of sermons we're doing is not a seminary class and it's not an academic exercise. Therefore, I'm not going to regurgitate for you content from a systematic theological work. And I'm not going to produce my own systematic theology. Christian worship services are to be centered around the preaching of God's word. And the worship of God is to be centered around the preaching of God's word. So this isn't a class. This is a sermon that's intended to be a mouthpiece for the Bible. Does that make sense? So my aim is not to satisfy an academic pursuit. My aim is that the people of God's faith would be encouraged. Those who don't know Jesus would get to know him better. And that you would know your Bible a little better today. So in this course of sermons, our aim is to make sure we have the framework of a good theology constructed. And we also want to be able to live out better our tactical question. What if the whole church was a missionary? That's big for us. Because we want you in the public square. You need to be in the public square. And if you're going to be in the public square, you need to be able to discern, distinguish a false Jesus from the Jesus of the Bible. Does that make sense? Make sense? Here we go. Let's begin by reading God's witness of himself to Moses in Exodus 3, 14 to 15. This is going to be on the screen. And I want you guys to stand, and we're going to read this together. This is the Lord's witness to who he is to Moses. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. This is the word of the Lord. Three of us church, you can be seated. Thank you. As God's people are about to enter the land of promise, Moses wanted to make sure God's people know who their God is and what they should know about him. Because they're going to encounter many evil entities that are going to clamor for their worship. In fact, these evil entities are going to demand their worship by taking their kids, taking their cattle, and they're going to demand that they worship them to have crops, to have children. And Moses needs to make sure as they enter the land of promise they know who to worship and who not to worship he wants them to be prepared by knowing who the God is so Moses pens the first five books of the Bible under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to recount who created all things and their history as the people of God and how God has revealed himself to them in that history God revealed his name to Moses which speaks to his eternality his comprehensiveness and his totality as the unique and all-powerful creator God from whom all things and to whom all things and all hosts of creation are accountable. This little scripture we just read is how Moses begins to ask and answer the question, who is God for his people as he's leading them into the land of promise? So we'll begin with the Lord's first words through Moses to his people, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Not Baal, not Molech, not Allah, Yahweh, 
I am is the God who created all things. Genesis 1, 26 to 31. Then the Lord said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his image. He created him in the image of God. He created him male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Will the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made. It was very good indeed. Evening came and then morning, the sixth day story continues Genesis 2 verse 1 to 3 so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed all the hosts of heaven completed and on the seventh day God had completed his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy for on it he rested from all the work of his creation amazing the I am the unique and holy God who has rescued them from Egypt, created and shared himself and his authority with his creatures. Wow. The I am stops his work simply to stop so that his image bearers would imitate him and likewise stop just to be and enjoy him and his creation. But something tragic happens. One of the I am's created beings of his council has sought a place of authority that was not his to have. And he's rebelled and is seeking to entice these newly minted image bearers into his rebellion against the I am. This creature succeeds. And the one law that the I am gave to keep them from one tree was ignored. And they harvested from that tree and they ate. And God's warned consequences of death begin to set in. We read in Genesis 3, 8 to 9, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of, I am Elohim, Lord God, walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from, I am God, among the trees of the garden. So, I am God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? The I am pronounces judgment on Adam and Eve and he sends them from the garden of their fellowship and the work of filling, to the work of filling the earth and subduing it with all of the struggles that are now a result of their sin. But I am gives us a glimpse of who he is in love and power and justice by covering the nakedness of Adam and Eve which they now experience with shame with the skins of one who did nothing wrong so that the innocent would pay the price for the guilty setting up the pattern of what he himself would do for them on his appointed day we read in Genesis 3 21 to 23 Yahweh God I am God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife and he clothed them 
The I am God said, since the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not reach out, take from the tree of life, eat and live forever. So I am God sent him away from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Wow. So what now? God continues to reveal who he is to his people as the I am. God reminds his people that they are his people because he's chosen them and purchased them and rescued them from Egypt. Then he tells them then and then, not before, after. He's purchased them. He's made them his. Then he tells them how they are to act like his people. And here's what he says. Exodus 20 verse 1 to 17. Then God spoke all these words. I am Yahweh. I am your God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods before me. Don't make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow down or worship them. And do not serve them, for I, the I am your God, am a jealous God. Bring the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Do not misuse the name of the I am your God, because the I am will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You're to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the I am your God. You must not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the I am made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the I am blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Honor your father and your mother so you'll have long life in the land that Yahweh, the I am, your God is giving you. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. However, now, it's important, the people are quick to stop acting like his people. It's not like his law is unclear. It's pretty clear. But they're quick to stop acting like that. Even though they're his people and bear his name and he's purchased them, they're quick to ignore his instruction. Yet, the I am still loves his people and he continues to reveal himself to them so that they can know him. Exodus 34, verse 5 and 8. The I am came down in a cloud and he stood with him there and proclaimed his name, the I am. The I am passed in front of him and proclaimed, the I am. The I am is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children and the grandchildren to the third and the fourth generation. Moses immediately knelt low on the ground and worshiped. Once again, the people are quick to forget the I am's ways in which they're to represent him in the world. They're his representatives. They're his people and they're to represent him and they're quick to forget. And then he sends prophets to remind them. And these prophets succeed sometimes in preaching God's word. And by success, I mean the people hear it and respond. Sometimes they don't hear and respond. But this work of preaching God's word is costly for the prophet. 
And they often run to a place they believe to be safe from the harassment and potential death for speaking the I am's words. Oh, but the I am loves them and he pursues them that he might refresh them with his presence because he loves them. We read this in 1 Kings 19, 9 to 13 about who God is. Suddenly the word of the I am came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the I am God of armies, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I alone am left, and they're looking to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the I am passed by. A great mighty wind was tearing the mountain and it was shattering cliffs before the I am. But the I am was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the I am was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was fire, but the I am was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Oh, the I am is kind. He's kind and he continues to pursue his people so they can know him, so they can ask and answer the question, who are you? And he's kind and he continues to pursue them so they can know him. And he even sends artists because the art is his. He sends artists to write songs that tell who the I am is so they can remember him even in song. We get one of those songs in Psalm 86, verse 8 and 10. Lord, there's no one like you among the gods. And there are no works like yours. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and will honor your name. For you are great and perform wonders. You alone are God. Artists continue. We see in Psalm 86, verse 15, but you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. It's easy for the people of the I am to forget that he's good. It's easy for them to forget that he's full of joy. And he's also a God that is a jealous God for their worship. Like he will not tolerate their allegiance to any other God. So he sends prophets again to remind them who he is. Who are you, God? We well, send Zephaniah. In his writing in chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, Zephaniah writes, On that day it will be said in Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The I am your God is among you, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you in his love. He will delight in you with singing. Oh, the I am, I am intends to be known. He wants us to ask, who are you? So he again pursues his people and he sends them to make sure the other cities and nations that don't know get to ask and answer the question, who are you? Who is God? And we read about this in Ezekiel 36, verse 37 and 38. This is what sovereign I am says. 
I will respond to the house of Israel and do this for them. I will multiply them in number like a flock so the ruined cities will be filled with the flock of people just as Jerusalem is filled with the flock of sheep for sacrifice during its point of festivals. Then they will know that I am. Wow. You think he wants to be known? Oh yeah. Do you think he answers the question? Oh yeah. Here's some really amazing news. In spite of the rebellion and sin of humankind and the hosts of heaven, the I am is not far away. Even though sin has separated man from the I am, he's not running from us. He's been pursuing a people for himself from all nations. Mankind is separated from him because of the rebellion in the garden, the rebellion in the heavens, and yet he calls people everywhere to repent by believing in the one he has sent And the I am himself has testified that this one is true because the I am has raised him from the dead. We read about this in Acts chapter 17, verse 22 to 31 from the old apostle preaching this good news to the nations. Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship. I found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to everyone life and breath and all things. From him, one man... And from this one man, he's made every nationality to live over the whole earth. And he has determined their appointed times and boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God. And perhaps they might reach out and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Even as some of your own poets have said, we are also his offspring. Since then, we are God's offspring We shouldn't think the divine nature is like gold or silver or or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent because he set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. And he has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Who's this one? that the I am has sent and raised from the dead. Who might this be? Who is God? Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Wow. Who's the sun? Who's the one? Who's the exact expression of the I am? Who's God? So Jesus is the I am? John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So Jesus is the I am? Jesus is the God that revealed himself to Moses? 
is God? Jesus is. John 14, 8 to 11. Lord, said Philip, show us the Father and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time and you don't know me, Philip? The one who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? These words I speak to you, I don't speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe the works themselves. Can we know who God is and have fellowship with the I am? Is this possible through his church? Can we know? Can we ask and answer who is God and can we have fellowship with him? John 14, 15 to 23, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. (laughs) On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, then said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Wow. (laughs) Who is God? He's pretty awesome. So the Bible says that the I am actually loves me. He loves you. And he wants to be with me. He wants to be with you. He wants to be with his people together. Is this what the Bible actually is affirming? Yeah. John 16, 26 to 27, on that day you will ask in my name. And I'm not telling you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. So the Bible says that I can talk to the I am because he loves me? Who exactly is this God who calls himself the I am, revealed in Jesus and testified to by the Holy Spirit who loves us? Who is this Jesus? Philippians 2, 5 to 11 tells us a little bit more about the answer to the question, who is God? Adopt this same attitude as that of Christ Jesus who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had been, became a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. But he goes on. 
Who is this God? Colossians 1, 15 to 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him. In heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. Wow. For God was pleased to have the fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood shed on the cross. What more can we know about the I am as revealed in Jesus by the Holy Spirit. John the Revelator gives us a glimpse of the glory of Jesus who said he's the I am in Revelation 19, 11 to 16. Then I saw heaven open. Whoa. And there was a white horse. Its rider is called faithful and true and with justice he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a fiery flame and many crowns were on his head. He had a name that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he will trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe, on his thigh, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Well, can we be sure that we belong to the I Am and that his love for us is secured? Can we know that? Can we know this God and be assured that his love and his acceptance of me is secure? Romans 10, verse 4, and then 8 through 13. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. This is the message of faith we proclaim. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness. And one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Glory to God. What can we affirm from this tiny sampling, from the sufficient word of God that we learned last week is totally sufficient for this? Listen, how dare I come up here and give you my words when the week before I told you his words enough. The Bible's sufficient to answer who God is, how we can be saved, and how we can obey his will. What can we affirm? What's a nice summary statement here? I'm going to give you my words combined with another document that I reference here. God, the I am revealed in Jesus by the Holy Spirit is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He's eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in his power, perfection, goodness, glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. 
And he has pursued his people from the beginning. (laughs) He's pursued you from the beginning. And he's won his people with the sacrifice of his own son, crucified, buried, risen, and ascended into heaven to lead the work of his mission to all nations to which he calls us. So our conclusion today, if we believed in this God, the I Am, and if we know Him, what are we to do? What are we to do? Romans eleven thirty three to 36 Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and untraceable His ways. For who's known the mind of the Lord? Or who's been his counselor and who's ever given to God that he should be repaid for from him, through him, and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. Exodus 34, 8. Moses immediately knelt low on the ground and worshiped. We owe him our worship. If you would do this with me, get alone with your eyes closed. And I want you to spend time hearing the Holy Spirit. Testify to who is God. And believe in this moment that all of that scripture we just read together, He is able to answer every single granular question you have. Because His word is sufficient. The band's going to come. And when they are ready... They're going to lead a time of response to the Lord. Moses bowed low to the ground and worshiped. Who's God? The Lord told him his response is worship. Who's God? My hunch is a fitting and appropriate response will be worship. So I'm going to ask you to spend a few moments waiting. Waiting on the Lord. Listening. What's the Holy Spirit saying? When these guys are ready, they're going to provide an opportunity for you to respond in worship. And I'm simply going to ask you to obey the Lord. I firmly believe that He's enough to meet every.